goodest of good days there, cats and kittens, and welcome to yet another episode of Discontent Provider, the podcast that knows exactly how many mickles make a muckle, and can assure you categorically that given the current rate of exchange, mickles are absolutely not worth investing in at the moment, unless you're interested in a very long-term speculation offering a small but dependent and consistent return. While there is usually a notable uptick in nickel value in the period immediately following Christmas, the big players have the market so cornered, it really isn't a game for the small independent investor. Sad, of course, but hardly surprising. As usual, the fuck stumps rig the game and then scoff at those who refuse to play it. And, as we gnash our teeth and bite our thumbs at one group of ghastly smug cunts, at least I do, Arkham being thumbless and all, uh, our thoughts must perforce turn to another. You know, it's hard to believe, as we sit here in the tranquil surrounds of our happy place, almost lost to the real world, an arrangement that seems to suit everyone involved admirably, uh, that there has been, this week, a great bustle, a great hullabaloo and a stir in the mighty northern metropolis of Manchester. Well, obviously there has been. It's a mighty northern metropolis, and rarely restful at the best of times, after all. As a general rule, though, uh, the sort of raucous, slightly nasal, urban kerfuffle one finds up there rarely has national, still less often international, ramifications, unless it has something to do with the soccer ball, or some new coterie of shambling tone-deaf chances being hailed as the next best thing in the pop music world. This week, however, saw the Conservative Party hosting their annual conference there. Endless commentary has poured in a thick, turgid sludge from just about every media orifice you care to name, from broadcast titans and established newspapers right down to at ChunkyBalls99 posting lettuce-themed memes about Liz Truss on the Twitters. So, um... I decided not to go too big on the doings of their various beanos, bunfights or sabbats for this week's drop. After all, I uh, I covered the Home Secretary's repulsive seepages last week, and there's only so much soulless beastliness and, yes, dash it all, I admit it, self-loathing, consumed, uh, confused eroticism I'm capable of coping with in a fortnight. Besides, Aside from the addition of a few nasty new rhetorical whistles and bells, or dog whistles and bells, I should say, uh, it was all very much the same old, same old, was it not? Uh, Indeed, that was pretty much the hallmark of most of the keynote addresses. Dire warnings about the extremist socialism peddled by Keir Starmer, or either that, uh, accusations that he didn't have any policies, rousing tales of astonishing, miraculous economic recoveries, or homely anecdotes about small businesses and pathetically repentant Labour voters uh, tearfully confessing their unstinting gratitude and or contrition to various speakers. Uh, But enough of that, I fancy. It's it's bad enough that we hear the same shite every damned year, without uh, hearing gutter-level podcasters hashing over ground already trodden into a dispiriting swamp by other commentators. You've heard about the sparse attendance at a lot of main stage events, just as you've heard detailed breakdowns of the lies, great and small, told on that self-same stage and others. 
And you've heard about Nigel Farage turning up to turn heads and stomachs by busting some sick moves on the dance floor with Pretty Patel to the strains, and never less has that word been more aptly employed, of Andy Williams. I could, were I of a mind to it, and weren't painfully aware that you've already had a surfeit of the topic, point out that the irony of both the Prime Minister and Penny Mordaunt claiming that the richest and most powerful people in Britain are being bullied by some of the most marginalised and endangered people in society. But why would I? It's old, it's stale, and it's as redundant as saying that Mr Sunak's commitment to representing a genuine change in politics seems predicated upon pointing out the flaws of the opposition while neither admitting nor addressing none of those of the Conservative Party. Having said that, podcast pals, his remarks upon the subject of wholesale change did provoke something of an epiphany in this cockeyed anti-folk. Nearly was. Uh, so more of that later. The media, both mainstream and independent, having left very little meat on the carcass, leaves myself and Arkham, as late-coming news vultures, with little meat to chew over. Uh, but there was one item I think we've uh, been left with, a, a juicy tidbit, maybe a liver, or at the very least half a pancreas, upon which we can gorge ourselves prior to regurgitating it into the expectant beak of our uh, discerning listener. In what was presumably an effort to soften the anti-immigration message pushed by Miss Braverman, Rishi told the audience a little story, a heartwarming vignette, if you will, about what is possible for those that arrive on the shores of our ever less united kingdoms. You may remember it. It was about his first day as an MP. Back in those halcyon days of 2015, he, a tremulous parliamentary new bug, had arrived in the Commons, proud grandparents in tow. According to Mr Sunak, his grandpater, maternal or paternal, he didn't specify, uh, took out their portable telephone, uh, intimidated and uncertain as to the rules of the establishment regarding such devices, the wide-eyed Rishi expressed concern, telling the aged relative that he wasn't sure whether or not the Hoi Polloi were allowed to make calls in the sacred halls of Westminster. His Nana G explained that he wanted to call the first landlord he'd had upon arriving in England to tell him where he was and how he came to be there. A touching tale, Nestpa. Not a dry air in the house and all that. Truly gangbusters stuff, in short. A humanising slice of life in the extraordinary rise to power of a young man destined for greatness. And that's certainly how the faithful seem to take it, I'll be frank. However, I think it's a crock of bubbling shit. I could be wrong, of course, and perhaps every word of it is true, but if you break it down... If you actually look at it granularly, it seems unlikely. Mr Sunak was born in May of 1980, which means he was conceived in the summer of 1979. Now, assuming that his parents were at least 16 years old when uh, future PM Sperm first made bold overtures to banker to be Ovum, were they both born in this country, they would both have had to be born in 1963 meaning that both potential sets of grandparents could have arrived in the UK at 1962 at the absolute earliest. Now, 
while I realise that older generations retain connections for far longer than will-o'-the-wisp youngsters in their early 50s like myself, I mean, I, I had a grandmother that religiously sent Christmas cards to a window cleaner who doused her pains in the late 50s, uh, how probable does it seem that a chap would remain in touch with someone from whom they'd rented a room or flat 42 years ago? Having looked into it, it turns out that neither of the Sunak parents were born in Britain and that both sets of grandparents arrived here between 1966 and 1967, which means whichever grandparent Rishi was talking about was apparently in close enough contact with a former landlord to have their telephone number lodged in their cell phone after 37, maybe 38 years. Again... While that's not an impossibility, it takes all sorts of people to make a world, and some of those sorts can be downright stalkerish after all, um, it seems like a speechwriter's confection devised solely to create a rather saccharine, almost hallmark channel narrative, doesn't it? Odd then, that having so positioned himself as the scion of grateful and hard-working members of a uh, minority group, he should then go on to more or less say, as the head of his majesty's government no less, that trans people can go and fuck themselves because they're weird and gross. Mind you, there is, I dare say, almost as many votes in those LBGTQ plus phobic hills as there are among the undulating hillocks of the flat out racists. So what would you? What did intrigue me about conference, I'm bound to say, was the subsidiary fringe events that seems to garner as much, if not more, interest than the vapid gibberings of multi-monikered Grant Shapps to a half-empty auditorium. And my gosh and giddy gumdrops, I had no idea that there were so many of them. You see, having never joined a group in my life, at least uh, not since my disenchantment following my admission into the Dennis the Menace fan club, I've never actually attended a political conference, ever. Admittedly, I've, um, I've, I've been a broadly ignored musical turn, noisy wallpaper if you prefer, at a small pub in a northern city that shall remain nameless during regular meetings of the local Liberal Democrat Party, uh, but I'd hardly call that political. It, it was more a case of making Herculean efforts to keep a straight face while middle-aged cats and kittens made valiant efforts not to look as though they were trying to fuck one another. Uh, but while looking into the various shills and sideshows that were clustered around the main body of conference like a shoal of piranha swarming upon an incautious swimmer, it became apparent that uh, these events really are something like a festival, or perhaps more like a university freshers week. I say there, young fella, you, you look a bit lost. Can I, can I help you? Oh, oh, thanks. It's just that it's my first conference and uh, there's, oh, there's so much going on. <laughs> I know. It can get a bit overwhelming, can't it? I remember my first time. I spent most of it trying to dodge Ted Heath. Ha! Showing my age there, I suppose. The, uh, the best approach is to think about what sort of a Tory you are and take it from there. Well, I suppose I'm rather shitty. We're all shitty, my boy. That's why we're here. What sort of shittiness would you like to specialize in, though? Uh, are you a free market wonk? A racist? 
perhaps you've got a thing about Jesus and family values. Hmm, well, uh, I, I'd like to do something about, uh, if I'm honest, I'd like to do something about the Welsh, I suppose. Easy, easy as pie. Just, just look out for anything run by the One Nation crowd. No surer way of stamping on the taffs than keeping them tied down, I always say. Are you, uh, you interested in this green palaver at all? Not so much. I, I, I just want to be, I don't know, a sort of strong, no-nonsense figure. Nothing, nothing too wet. I, I know exactly what you mean. In that case, you should join Lee Anderson's Shirtless Fight Club. They uh, hold it in an underground car park just down the road, don't you know? And, uh, <laughs> you know the first rule of Lee Anderson's Shirtless Fight Club, of course. <laughs> Don't talk about Lee Anderson's shirtless fight club. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> not, not at all. It's talk constantly about Lee Anderson's shirtless fight club. Bless him. He, he's, he's a goodish sort of egg in his way, old Lee. And he certainly reassures the pros that we're on their side. But uh, he's not exactly a lad for nuance and discretion. Now, now, come here. Come here. What about something a little racier, eh? You're a likely-looking young chap. I dare say you're game for some of the more red-blooded, after-dark sort of larks. You know, there's a group of Liz Truss enthusiasts who get together to uh, express their appreciation for her. <laughs> Rumor has it they've got the shoes she was wearing when she was first elected. Oh, huh? Oh, golly, that, that sounds, um, but, uh, it's not really my thing. On the other bus, eh? Mm, well, nothing wrong with that. Perhaps you'd be more interested in the Mog Floggers. They get together in the Audubon suite and, uh, no, it, it, it's not that. I, I mean, I, I'm not bothered about that sort of thing, as long as they keep it quiet and don't vote. But, uh, I, I'm not one. I, uh... I... I'm a bit keen on Suella. Oh! Now that's unfortunate, young man. Dear me, it's standing room only for that group. Well, half crouching with one hand bracing yourself against the wall room only, if you follow me. Oh, that, 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 that's a shame. Don't I know it? I haven't been able to get in yet, apparently. There's a rum sort of cove in there who's gone more or less feral. I, I don't know what he's doing here. He's not even one of us. Some sort of lefty folk singing oddball. One eye, a top hat, and a dog that keeps snapping at anyone that tries to chuck him out. Pity, really. With that level of self-loathing dysfunctional sexuality, he could have been one of the very great Tories. While I expect the reality is far less jolly, there was certainly a lot happening. One set of events that caught my eye were some forums, fora, organised by the Conservative Environment Network. Well, naturally, I assumed that these cats and kittens were going to be a gruesome cabal of shills and mouthpieces for big oil and the like. It seems not, however, let's be fair. Aside from defining themselves as centre-right, which could realistically mean anything or nothing, I'll admit, they claim to be working with groups from all political parties, and um, while they do receive some funding from some uh, mainstream oil uh, 
you know, energy firms, EDF was one. Uh, they are also subsidised by grants and donations from the WWF and Renewable UK, among others. So they might be just about as on the level as a political group can reasonably be expected to be. Their flagship uh, discussions titles, however, do lead one of a cynical mind to suspect that some of the panels might be a little skewed. Wind and solar, energy saviours or a blight on our communities, and tackling air pollution, a direct route to freedom or a roadblock to liberty. Uh, Doubtless stimulating subjects for debate, but one feels that the overall conclusions of their deliberations could, just could, be a little predetermined. Having said that, I noted that Centrepoint were hosting an event uh, to discuss the price of homelessness. And uh, even if the majority of attendees were stockholders in uh, Soylent Food Industries, it at least shows that there are groups of all kinds willing, or at least hoping, to work with the government. Although I'd guess that that probably wasn't a standing room over only affair either. I also noted the closest thing I've ever seen to genuine political humour done by politicians, a forum about the growing significance of energy-producing nations beyond the usual OPEC gang, was entitled, Who's Bricking It? You know, brick without a K. I thought that was pretty dash good, I have to say. The main alt players, though, seem to have been the Great British Growth Rally, fronted by Liz Truss, sniffing around the political pig bins for another shot at leadership, and the Conservative Democratic Organisation, which is essentially a gaggle of Johnsonites who are terribly irked that Boris isn't still running the show. They, it would appear, are funded by Lord Peter Crudders, the uh, chap who resigned as Tory co-treasurer in 2012 after the Sunday Times exposed him as being involved in a cash-for-access scandal. However one cuts the cake, it would appear whatever shades of blue a cat or kitten bobbing around Manchester last week might have preferred, they were all dancing to the tune of some funder, some donor, some sugar daddy, some vested interest. I don't say this to condemn them per se, you understand. I'm aware that the same could and should be said of members of any political party. But in light of Rishi Sunak's pledge to change politics by driving out vested interests not working for the best interest of the country, it all seems even tackier and grubbier than usual, do it not? Even if he didn't specifically mean his dear old par-in-law, whose company is set to make upwards of a billion following the uh, exploitation of North Sea oil reserves. So much for change. Hey, what? But not here, podcast pals. We really are going to mix things up a little. This, in fact, is the very last episode of Discontent Provider that you'll be experiencing in its current format. Because as of next week, the Silver Fox and the world's greatest lurcher are going to be doing things a whit differently. Let's face it, even with my stellar gift for dialect, or if you prefer, funny voices, these things can run a little long for a solo venture. And while we can all agree it would be nice if Arkham could pull his weight and not just be eye-stroke-ear candy, we all know it's not going to happen. That's why we're going to be running three much shorter episodes every week on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. The Friday one will be slightly longer, mostly because it will still feature the never-popular song at the end. 
but on the whole, it's all going to be a lot more digestible to the bustling podcast listener on the go. So join us here in the happy place on Monday for an exciting, one might almost say enthralling new format, won't you cats and kittens? Until then, let's bid a wistful farewell to these prolonged seances and enjoy a song, shall we? Tell your friends, families and other loved ones because it's going to be simply smashing. Either that or a fucking disaster. Who can say? All I can say with absolute certainty is that all views expressed are simply those of a down-home country-singing malcontent with a lovably morose dog and should be treated as such. Subscribe to these doings at your usual podcast places and don't be afraid to share the bejesus out of the damned thing. From Arkham and myself then, cheerio. Stamp right up, we've all got something to say We're ushering you into a bright new day We've got a bold vision to make Britain a much better place Forget about those dullards in their great big hall Lauding and applauding the same old balls We'll give conservatism a 21st century face Whatever you're after, you can find it here Among the grifters and the grassroots Resurgent Reaganomics demonising queers Why settle for low-hanging fruit? This is the place where the future's made Where powerful alliances are born The next PM could be you or me Or that bloke who wants to ban by racial porn Step right up the carnivals this way If you want to save the planet this chap says he'll make it pay Or that lady over there says we could all clean up with nuclear power There's one thing I can tell you now, believe you me No one here is losing money because nothing comes for free Getting good with the right people and you'll feel yourself get richer by the hour Whatever cause you go for, tell yourself that you believe it like any good salesman should And when someone points out it's just a Ponzi scheme Smart and silly and cite the public good Don't be shy, you'll soon be in the swim Most things this game is lucrative and lots of fun Stick firmly to your role, ignore opinion polls Because the only thing that counts is number one Like Pilly said, it's time to stand up and fight Because we're the ones who never get a chance As we're vilified and bullied Faced with the malice and spite By the powerful, disabled and the trans my friend and see what is on offer don't ask too many questions about how we fill our coffers and it turns out it's a russian spy it's better if you say you never knew would you like to modernize the nhs by putting card readers next to each and every bed or would you rather see the noble sports of fox on 10 return cry view halloo 
Squadrons neo-fascist straight up puppets of the banks If you want them you can find them and we'll glad to fill their ranks There's a plan for modern workhouses, a scheme for prison boats Or you can join to Orange from Weed to score some student votes There's a bustling pro-capitalist market for ideas Everyone designed to cash in on stupidity and fear We've got to change the party now because we'll know we'll all be out next year <laughs> <laughs> 